here for all Rose can suck my balls Fuck your reply guys Please don't fuck your reply guys Just listen to reply guys Welcome back to Reply Guys The leftist feminist comedy podcast For the rest of us I'm Kate Willett I'm Julia Clare Kate how are you doing? Pretty good. I went to a friend's wedding yesterday and it was really nice. It was up in the Berkshires. Uh, oh. Got to see a lot of uh, fall leaves and it made me, I, I just. Um, did you think of me? <laughs> yeah, actually I did. You know, it was a, it was a, like a, the, the key location for Christian, the epicenter of Christian Girl Autumn. Oh, I'm quivering right now. <laughs> I love fall so much. Uh, oh boy, I just I love being at my at my parents' house, just breathing good air. I was I was in Prospect Park yesterday and just kept saying to my friend, like, I love trees. <laughs> See, you do understand the appeal of mushrooms. Uh, you know, maybe I do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, another weird week on the internet. We we loved the Trillbillies last week. And thank you so oh, much for all the man. listener feedback on that episode. They're so great. We love we them. We love them so much. Um, big big shouts to, to Tom and Terrence. Yeah, uh, we want to hang out with them all the time. Um, Julia and I are thinking about relocating to Kentucky and starting the uh, second best leftist podcast in Appalachia (laughs) (laughs) and yeah you know I'm gonna buy a house for $86,000 and it's gonna be fucking lit yeah (laughs) god so much dumb stuff happened on the internet this week as is always the case um but a sad thing that happened was that uh the leftist news uh website splinter news um was shuttered this week they had some really great journalists working there. They're very good. And they, you know, it was, it just kind of came out of nowhere, but we've seen, it's been like a long trend of, of this happening. And basically their parent company was, um, Gizmodo Media Group, which was formerly Gawker Media and, um, GMG was bought by, um, Great Hill Partners. Great Hill Partners. Um, Just super it's, bland name. Come on. At least try. Um, yeah. So they were bought. And then when this happened, when this acquisition happened, they decided that uh, Splinter was not profitable enough. So they shuttered it. And uh, yeah, basically, I actually read a uh, a pretty good article by, oh, Brennan O'Connor, Um who who's very good um because he used to work at at the old gawker brendan had a had a good point about this he said why for example would a publisher choose to shut down a news and politics website in the middle of the most tumultuous presidency in a generation if this seems nonsensical that's because it is if you imagine a publisher of journalism being someone who cares about publishing journalism Private equity firms like Great Hill do not care about journalism. Private equity firms care about nothing other than extracting as much profit as quickly as possible with as little investment in the business they come to own as possible. So basically, yeah, this was just like another private equity nightmare in which the collateral damage was a place that had a lot of great journalists and a lot of great um angles that you don't normally see in the mainstream media i really enjoyed their healthcare coverage yeah i mean it's just like imagine you know i i'm one of those people that for sure thinks like the new york times should exist in the washington yeah. post you know um i mean like <laughs> i understand people who hate them um i also do a lot of the time but you know like there is a lot of value in having um newsrooms with like super high budgets to do big investigative stories but i mean just imagine if that was like imagine if the only takes out there were uh brett stevens and his bed bugs bullshit you know <laughs> the new york times is never gonna yeah. run like detailed coverage of why medicare for all is essential you know yeah and like the only person at at the washington poster i can think of is who would do that is probably liz brunig yeah um so but you know so a lot of people were very sad about the at least in our corner of the internet a lot of people were very sad about uh about splinter's demise uh there was a very vocal um i would 
I, I would maybe say she's she's the the first female reply guy of the week <laughs> yeah i mean she's this is so this person is like a phenomenon on left twitter and i don't really understand why she says really stupid things but she only has like ten thousand followers but I, maybe the things that she says are so stupid that less than ten thousand followers yeah so her name the reply guy of the week uh is amy therese amy and therese amy therese is i think she lives in australia and she is like one of these super anti-identity politics people but really probably is just racist like i listened to one episode of her podcast after um she was being like dunked on on twitter like so much and it was uh, the episode was like about how the squad is neoliberal like how aoc is neoliberal (laughs) um and i think you know not to totally reduce her viewpoint but it was pretty much just that uh aoc is neoliberal and uh, electing her as identity politics because she's a woman of color and people like her because of that and that's wrong we love to see it yeah incredible take but you know she has fought with like she's fought with a lot of people that are uh way more famous and intelligent than her she beefed with our guest brandy jensen she She called brandy jensen uh neoliberal she uh you know i'll I'll give this to her she she punches up uh she she definitely fights above her weight class um but the this tweet that she had uh at, at the death knell of splinter was quote it sucks that a bunch of pmcs in brooklyn have lost their jobs splinter was still a garbage website that ran relentless neolib propaganda pmc is professional Professional managerial Managerial class class. oh we sounded so good when we did that at the same time (laughs) but yeah i mean i think the the people at the journalists at splinter i don't know exactly how much they make but probably 30 to forty thousand dollars a year is a figure i've seen certainly and I, not living high on the hog as a journalist say, in 2019 yeah i would not say professional managerial class is really an apt description everyone just wants to ugh. and their work was definitely not neoliberal uh, yeah she's one of those you know why i think that like people kind of latch on to amy therese besides the fact that she's really dumb is um I think that Amy Therese is like what resistance libs think that leftists are. Yeah. <laughs> like super kind of anti-identity politics to the point of just being like a straight up racist and well, just, just calling everything it, neoliberal. It just seems like assigning the label of neoliberal to anything that deals with like intersectional issues is absolutely bonkers i don't <laughs> i can't even wrap my head around that but yeah um yikes she was really fighting everyone but we just want to say if there are any uh any journalists who worked at splinter who who listen to the podcast rest in power to splinter because uh and we really appreciate what you did uh and it sucks that once again another another news publication is with kind of like essential coverage is dying uh, died it's like all of the the local newspapers around the country that have shuttered um, because they are they aren't quote profitable enough. Um, but we know inherently the value of local news coverage. Um, that you know places like even even with like all the muscle of the New York Times can't do because they're just not everywhere. Shitting on them the day they were laid off to. I know, and I think that the whole reason ghoul. that she thinks that they're neoliberal is because Hamilton Nolan said that he thought Warren was a better choice for 2020 than Bernie was. So that's like the entire reason that she's like this website. I mean, just uh, just a news organization with consistently Left. leftist coverage. Yeah. Not even like prog- just like run of the mill progressivism, you know. But, you know, she. I, I don't really I don't know if we should give this person any more attention no. like I don't, it's so weird that she gets so much attention as it is. I think she's just picking beefs with it's, like it, you know fighting people. fighting people with more who are more who are more influential than you and more powerful than you is uh, definitely a strategy that some people use to kind of create their own buzz. And um, com- we love a girl boss. So. Uh, a comedian <laughs> that I know is like I saw that he's like replying to a lot of Amy Therese tweets and. Um, I just I can't imagine like a lower rung of reply guy than an Amy Therese reply guy. Absolutely. That's the bottom of the barrel. Oh man, I got some uh, I got some great fucking replies on a. I tweeted about Ben Shapiro. Um, 
this week uh ben just Shapiro, earlier today once again in the news uh because he's just he, always because saying he threatened that, to fight beto o'rourke and you know who among us has not but yeah so i tweeted <laughs> i tweeted people keep attributing ben shapiro's hateful politics to his height and i think it's important to note most short men do not opt for fascism the vast majority are choosing the alternative of becoming extremely good at sex <laughs> you know it's kind of a silly joke i was just trying to defend short kings um and <laughs> And uh, like this is uh, tweeting about Ben Shapiro um, that really brings the reply guys out. Here are some of the replies on this. Ben Shapiro is the furthest thing from fascism, believes that government should be hands off. That's not fascism. Okay, here's another one. Didn't realize Shapiro is hateful. If he's hateful, then the world is a good place. And then here's another one. (laughs) Quote some of what you say or quote some of what you say are his hateful policies. I just have to do it in this voice. I'm sorry. Um, another one. How is wanting less government a form of fascism? Um, hateful politics. The man is speaking to his constitutional religious rights. It's called the number one. I think he means the First Amendment. That's right door swings both ways, lefty. And then uh, I won't read them all, but Ben Shapiro's earwax has more intelligence than you. Like really the the, the pro oh, Ben boy. Shapiro reply, reply guy. Uh, that's like... That is um, like the ground zero for the oh most reply guy, reply guys. I'm very excited that we have an amazing interview with Gabe Gonzalez this week. Our first repeat guest. And, yes. he, and he's, I'm, I have a feeling he'll be coming back many more times. We love him so much. And he's always just the most fun to talk to. And he's so smart. A lot of things going on in, in the space of LGBT issues this week. And everybody had a lot to say about it. And as always, thank you so much for listening and uh, enjoyed the interview with Gabe. Welcome back to Reply Guys. One of our listeners wrote in this week and asked if, because it's the leftist feminist podcast for the rest of us, if Reply Guys listeners could be called the rest, the rest of, of us. us. I saw yeah. that. <laughs> I like that. I'm still leaning towards what the fuckers. <laughs> yeah. What the fucking ears. <laughs> what the fucking odds. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Let's we're, we're just gonna, we're going to hop right into it this week. We are joined this week by our first ever repeat guest, hey. which you, I think means that he's a friend of the pod. I think, that's what it means. <laughs> it's never been said before on another podcast. Yes. <laughs> coining the term friend of the pod. Uh, everybody, welcome back. Gabe Gonzalez. Hello. Pleasure to be here as resident gay best friend of the pod. <laughs> yeah. That's one of those things that's supposed to go unspoken. <laughs> <laughs> we are, we're having a gay episode this week. We didn't week. have you on because you're gay. <laughs> we had you on because you're sassy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Honestly, all I ever want to hear from potential employers. Yes. <laughs> um, we actually, uh, so Kate and I did an episode with Josh Gondelman. Uh, a few back called drag his ass joe biden and we were gonna have another one in a in a recurring series called uh drag his ass pete Buttigieg, and you were the first person we thought of well this is kind of part of what we're gonna do today uh i think we decided not to devote an entire episode to pete Buttigieg because it's a waste yeah (laughs) because his career is going nowhere (laughs) he's gonna stay in indiana do you know that aoc won her district with more votes than pete has ever gotten in an election yeah you, you know he's he's a mayor of a small <laughs> indiana city a college town a it's, college town yeah people keep saying that you know oh like he was able to like win over these people in indiana but he is like the mayor of a pretty liberal city like yeah, he's, what is he's it? more conservative than his constituents yeah what south bend south bend um, yeah wow i feel like this happens in a lot of states that we would like traditionally I don't know, characterizes red states, though. Like, I feel like Democrats are like, oh, well, you know, like, uh, nothing Pete is, but like, oh, he's anti-abortion, but he's a Democrat. It's yeah. the best you can do if you want to vote Democrat. Like, yeah. I think the same was happening in Montana a few years back with like, I forget who it was. It was like maybe a state representative or a, a mayor, a mayoral candidate who was like pro-gun, anti-abortion. And then like all these like really high profile people were like, yeah, let's have a Democrat win this. Yeah. And I was like, well, but like, do we really want to? If yeah. It's not going to get better. You know what I mean? It's like. Well, that's what we were talking know, about yeah. last week. We had Tom 
and Terrence from the Trillbillies, and they're both from Kentucky, and they were talking about Amy McGrath, who's mm-hmm. running against Mitch McConnell there. Yeah. And it's the same sort of thing. They're like, mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a Democrat who says that Trump should be able to do his job, <laughs> and she's low-key a war criminal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> hey. the best we can do. Great month um, for war criminals. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, this was, I know. A, this was a hard week for the LGBT community. Um, and war criminals. And war criminals. I was going to say that <laughs> you know um there's this uh potentially horribly discriminatory outcome that could happen on the supreme court and also ellen very bad yeah she's friends with george w bush people are writing open letters to her as if she doesn't know that he's a war criminal yeah. you know what i so okay just if if for some reason you are like a listener of this podcast that is not sick and extremely online <laughs> um just what happened was uh ellen was at a baseball game and george w bush was seated next to her and her wife and um she got some crap for being friends with him because you know Iraq war, uh, <laughs> torture and detention of brown people, revoking of civil liberties, you know, just like, like run of the mill stuff. Yeah. President stuff. President right, stuff. Yeah. Um, but, uh, she, I think really doubled down on it and her had, explanation of it made it so much worse. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cause the thing is, I feel like it happened over the weekend. People were talking about it, but the Supreme court cases were also like dominating headlines the day she talked yes. about it on her show. And I was like, you could have just not talked about it, not given context. Because the the thing that made it worse is that in her explanation, she was like, yeah, George W. Bush is a friend of mine. Yeah. And suddenly everybody who was like, maybe she was just sitting next to him. Maybe she didn't know. was like, oh, fuck, never mind. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. Okay. And yeah, and he put two of the hyper conservative justices on the court yeah. who are deciding these cases now. He's hey I don't, I don't know I'm sorry guys but George W Bush he's bad. <laughs> oh my god Rob Delaney had such a funny tweet. He tweeted a poll um who's worse Trump or George W Bush and then the answers were like George W Bush and George W Bush. People <laughs> George W Bush was really bad. I mean Trump is really bad too but I the, the yeah, scale yeah. of loss of life alone definitely Yeah when Trump gets like a million bodies on him then he will be as bad as uh, George W. Bush. I think I think it's probably way more. I, I, that's, but nobody yeah. really knows. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, anyways, a bad guy. Uh, bad guy. But yeah, her explanation was like, you know, it's really important to be kind to everyone. She's like, I mean, everybody. And, you know, Megan Amram had this great tweet. Like, you can't be nice to everyone because being nice to certain people is inherently cruel to others. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, George W. Bush, really bad. Also, no friend of the gays. I mean... No friend of the gays. Yeah. Just nothing. There is no layer on which that move was acceptable or you should be friends with him. Like... And the thing is, it, what was really funny is that people started pulling up photos of Michelle Obama, like, yeah. hugging Bush and sitting next to Bush and being like, well, were we mad at her, too? And I was like, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> yes, I was. Was it ostensibly part of her job to sit next to him? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. But also, like, you don't have to, like, hug and smile. You I know. know. What I'm saying? And like, they're like, and they do that, you know, they did that thing at John McCain's funeral, like him, like, passing her a piece of candy or something. Yeah. It was a whole, ugh, I don't know. And then it was just, like, really annoying because people are like, well, why were you more vocal about Michelle Obama? And it was like, because I don't identify as a black woman, but I do identify <laughs> as a queer person. Yeah. And it's not Ellen's job to sit next to him at national events. Like, and then say, uh, we're friends and we should be nice to everyone. Right? Like, Michelle Obama wasn't like, guys, guys, like, go easy on George W. Bush. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Just, do you remember what we did to the Dixie Chicks? Oh, yeah. Do you remember? The Dixie Chicks am, they suffered for nothing. Still so livid about the way the Dixie Chicks were treated. They were correct. Janine Garofalo, correct. too. Janine Garofalo yeah. was pretty much blacklisted from working as an actress mm. for a while because uh, she uh, vocally opposed the Iraq War, which was fucking cool. Opposing the Iraq War? Metal as hell. No, <laughs> I mean, not just, Country oppo- hell. not just opposing it, but putting your entire yeah. career on the line for yeah. it. Absolutely. People were fucking steamrolling Dixie Chicks record. Absolutely, like fully. It. I, I remember seeing that when I was a when I was a tween. Uh, yeah, I don't know the Dixie Chicks rule, and we have never. Oh my god! Yeah, and everyone just tells them to get over. It, it was like that that song they did, "Not Ready to Make Nice." Like everyone just tells them to get over it. And it's like, no, she got death threats for years. She probably still is. Yeah. I don't know, Dixie Chicks. 
they're good george w bush is bad yeah <laughs> ellen sit next to the dixie chicks challenge that's what i want okay so the second worst thing this week for the lgbt community <laughs> besides oh ellen's God. betrayal of us this torrent of horrors yeah. um yeah. yeah the supreme court is currently hearing a number of cases related to lgbt issues the first two cases involved a skydiving instructor and a county government worker in Georgia who were fired for being gay. And the second case involves transgender people. I'm not optimistic about this court with um, our newest justices, uh, Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah. I think the the transgender case in particular has to do with um, a provision from Title VII, which is a part of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 that bars job discrimination because of sex um, and other reasons. And in recent years, some courts have basically interpreted that language as uh, to include discrimination against LGBT uh, folks as a subset of sex discrimination. So like all three cases are actually... The reason all the oral arguments were presented on the same day is because they all pertain to Title VII. And so it's interesting because in the case of Amy Stevens, she's a trans woman. And I think because that case has to do with gender identity, perhaps more explicitly, Mm -hmm. it's like not to say that it's easier or the burden is any less on her, but you can sort of uh, make that connection a bit more clearly because it does directly pertain to gender identity. Mm -hmm. In the other case, um, I think the name of these two men are Donald Zarda and Gerald Bostock. So these cases were were like consolidated by the Supreme Court. So they were kind of like very, very similar. And they were like, all right, let's just bump these two together. Um, And then basically what happens there is they're also arguing that Title VII, um, the phrase sex under Title VII, um, which basically just to clarify, Title VII says that it is unlawful for employers to, quote, discriminate against any individual with respect to compensation and a lot of other things um, when it... uh, because of their, quote, race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. And so both or all three of these cases sort of hinge on what the term sex encompasses, right? Um, and what's interesting is I, I feel like a lot of legal representatives defending um, the case that sex does include uh, not just gender identity, but sexuality mm-hmm. is sort of like phrasing it this way, right? Like, let's say you are a woman in a workplace and your coworker is a man who is dating a woman, right? Like that's not a problem for your employer. But if you are a queer woman who is dating another woman and your employer does take issue with that, then I guess the argument is like the behavior is not the issue. My gender engaging in this behavior is the issue. So that's sort of been like, I think the strongest argument behind why title seven should cover all three of these cases kind of but yeah i just i don't want to see this be a five to four decision that i'm like so afraid it is gonna be yeah Yeah, Um, i think right now only 22 states have laws that prohibit discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation mm -hmm. um so people would be completely screwed in other states that don't if this ruling comes out in favor of discriminating against LGBT people, which it might. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know. It, it's it, the whole thing with Kavanaugh has been horrifying, but it's just when you think about it in the context of he will be able to make decisions that affect so many people's lives in this horrific way and he should never be there and he's rapist. It's just, yeah. I mean, and, and also on the, you know, in the federal courts, in the circuit court judges, the Trump administration has been pushing through dozens and dozens of super young, super conservative judges that have also have lifetime appointments. It's going to take so much time to undo the damage of this uh, of this presidency. It really does feel like we're going backwards because there was such a cultural shift in this country on Uh, LGBT rights, probably more than any social issue of the past 50 years. We went from, um, you know, gay marriage was legalized uh, in the first days legalized gay marriage was in 2004. And it was like considered career suicide for a politician. Even in 2008, it was considered a career ender to as a Democrat to support gay marriage. And then it was legalized and then it became law federally in 2014 i want to say 
15 i think Just, yeah yeah in the span of 11 years gay marriage went from overwhelmingly not supported nationally to supported nationally and i really felt like there was this like upward trajectory that people got it and people were you know there were so many more protections at the state level in states where i've lived which is obviously naive for the larger um country <laughs> but um it felt like there was a cultural wave and now i think a lot of this is like maybe just a huge backlash to that all of these like i don't know the the bakers in colorado yeah, right? <laughs> yeah well the thing is is like you know republicans are pretty happy with trump because oh totally I, I mean and this is part of the reason because they they don't you know like especially like the christian right like they don't think that he is like a godly man or something no. i'm sure but you know he has by their measure like done what he what they wanted him to do which is like install these super conservative justices Absolutely. on the Supreme court and all the lower courts too as you were mentioning and um yeah it's like anti-choice yeah anti-lgbt and judges. honestly if they do rule against the lgbt community it's going to be shortly before the election mm -hmm. and that will probably help him like that'll definitely give him a, a boost with these bigots who are like on the fence about voting or not whether they want to yeah. vote for him again i mean I all of his all of his judges ha have been hand selected from the federalist society every single one of them including no, real, yeah including brett kavanaugh mm. and neil gorsuch um yeah these are just very socially conservative like out of step with national absolutely out of step with like how these issues poll nationally totally well like i think kind of yes and no right because I think with the issue of marriage, like to me, this this is all like a cautionary tale for why assimilation will not protect your rights, yes. right? Like yep. for years and years and years, like marriage was the issue, right? Mm -hmm. Like we must push gay marriage and like when we can have a nuclear family, we will be accepted yeah. as citizens, <laughs> right? Like the same reason people like Jenny Set Gutierrez who were pushing for trans women in detention to be treated fairly were shushed, right? Yeah. It was like, hush, hush now. We can't deal with the trans issue. Yeah, we have to deal. There was this <clears throat> idea of like, yeah. we have to deal with these problems in order. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And right. I think it is, it is almost easier for a straight celebrity or a news person to be like, yes, I think my gay coworker who loves another gay person should get married. That's easy, right? But now we're in like the thick of it. Like we're we're in that complicated shit where it's like, yes, it's absolutely human rights. But are you going to stand up for a trans person who's been fired for being trans? Right. Totally. You don't want them to have a wedding. There's no cute, cuddly moment after this. Like, is this person a valid human? Right. Yeah. Like, that's what the question and like that shouldn't be a question no. that's left up to legal, you know, like resources. But yeah, absolutely. And uh -huh. I should say that the that the tide that gay marriage in particular has taken. I mean, marriage is gay marriage that's a it's quite a conservative goal honestly yeah. it's like and it's the same thing with um they were gay people they were like there were like there were lefty gay people gay who people opposed who, it absolutely and same thing with um gay men or gay men and women openly serving in the military mm -hmm. it's the same sort of thing it's a very you know it gets into a lot of the realm of like respectability and things like that and i'm you know i what um, i, I I, I w had a domestic partnership in California with a woman. I was uh, gay married before it was legal. Oh, I was a, yeah. Uh, yeah. Trendsetter, trend uh, yeah, just So, you know, obviously, obviously I support gay marriage. I mean, it's also like kind of antiquated to call it gay marriage. It's just yeah, marriage. Right. Yeah, <laughs> same, yeah. sex, same sex marriage. Um, I, I did just call it gay marriage like four times. I'm yeah, so sorry. That's I, fine. We are not the most problematic I mean, like, leftist podcast yeah. still. Um, but anyway, yeah, it, I... I obviously very very much supportive but it was just it was not a good thing for me personally yeah <laughs> i'm you know i i i do want to take a back seat on this discussion as the straight person in the room <laughs> <laughs> yeah julia it's time for you to listen um time to show your allyship yeah. but it, it is sort of like it is kind of annoying when like the the whole struggle for queer rights across the spectrum gets kind of hijacked by the issue of the moment right yeah. like i feel like yeah. gay marriage was that and um who was it i think it was um caitlin burns for vox who has been covering a lot of these uh issues and was actually like there during oral arguments wrote how during the first case which pertained to two gay men in the workplace the issue of trans people in the bathroom was brought up 20 times yeah <laughs> so it's like 
even that, like, like Sonia Sotomayor brought it up and was like, well, people are really concerned with bathrooms. And it's like, well, neither of these cases pertain to bathrooms. Yeah. And I don't understand why we need to litigate whether or not like Title VII covers citizens in this country via this hot button topic of bathroom, right? It's like, it seems to sort of like minimize the issue into this sort of like headline sensationalist thing. I mean, that's a, that's a conservative trigger phrase. Absolutely. It's like trans bathrooms. Right. And it's, you know <laughs> and, what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I feel like that was, you know, 2016, obviously so upsetting all around. But one of the things after the election that was just like even more devastating was just like seeing all these hot takes of like, well, you know, shouldn't have focused yep. so much on trans people going to the bathroom. And yep. it was like across the political spectrum. It was like, you know, a lot of never Trump Republicans saying it. And it was also also even like liberals and leftists were totally saying that. Well, yeah, because it yeah, because it was it, it it kind of supported the idea that it was the platform was more about identity politics than anything else. It was right. too it was too invested. And it in that. lets like bigots frame the argument, Absolutely. right? It's like Yes, of course trans people should be able to use the bathroom they want to use in the workplace. Like, can we talk about fucking Title VII? Like, uh, yeah. it's like, like, no question. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's so annoying to like, I don't know, f- to see even the liberal justices or cis straight liberal allies sort of fall into that trap, right? Yeah. To let other people who also have no vested interest in the rights of any queer person dictate what questions you're going to ask and mm-hmm. what issues are going to shape the way we're discussing the humanity of trans and queer people it's like i don't know that's a just another thing that made me like womp womp you know what i I mean mean, it's like if there's anything these oral arguments and the lgbtq forum have shown it is that cis straight people are woefully underprepared to talk about or like speak on behalf of lgbtq issues it's just painful what a beautiful transition to A time where a few <laughs> hours of straight people talking about LGBT issues. Oh you really badly. Do, yeah, I mean, do we do we really? Th- okay, obviously we know Pete Buddha Judge's guy, but do, do we? Do we really? <laughs> do do yeah. we? Um, do we? Well, I was gonna say we don't think that any of the rest of them are even like bisexual. I I, no, be- I mean, didn't Tulsi boycotted this one, right? Yeah, or was she there? She's giving me like, like no. It wasn't yeah. like a boycott thing. I don't. I doubt she was even invited. I don't think no. that she's. This was a CNN town hall. Yeah, I mean, she said she was going to boycott the next debate. This was yeah. not the. Yeah, um, I mean, she's. She's a mess on queer issues. I know. <laughs> but like, then again, what candidate isn't? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. even during this town hall, is Liz Warren got a question that I thought she answered very well. But they asked her, they were like, hey, in your 2012 Senate race, you said that you didn't think using taxpayer money to pay for um, medically necessary transitions for people who are in jail was a good idea. And she was like, look, that was a bad answer. Right. And like, cool, own it. But like, I feel like this happens time and time again with... I don't know any Democratic candidate. Like Obama also had anti-marriage. Th- and so it's like Obama, yeah, the Obama, Obama, administ- oh, the like, Obama administration. And I read Ryan Grimm's book. We've got people. It's an excellent book we've talked about on the show before. But not only did they oppose gay marriage, they were working with like behind the scenes with um, like prominent LGBT activist organizations. I think the Human Rights Campaign. Yeah. Um to get them to encourage their members to not push for gay marriage or make it a national issue. Mm-hmm. Um, they were like, and yeah, so I mean, it was, I mean, Obama like was strategic, no, but it's he, pessimistic. he was no gay yeah, rights like, hero. Yeah. When, no, we, well, I mean, it wasn't really, I mean, it was strategic for him. Yeah. They were trying to like, Convi- win another election. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah but his, we, we issue, talked about yeah. this, this before, but his first term in office specifically, it was like him and Rahm Emanuel. Yeah. Just Ugh, saying, fucking Rahm Emanuel. I know. Well, I mean, <sighs> we, could, we could devote an entire episode <sighs> to him. Too. We will. We will yeah. one day. Um, Jeez. but you know, that was another thing. Like Rahm also wanted, uh, wanted, um, Democrats to abandon ACA mm-hmm. um, and just push for like a more moderate jobs bill because he just didn't want like they were obsessed with being seen as not hyper partisan. Right. Um, and that was Rom's that is what he lived and breathed. And he's also very bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Do you know who has been pushing gay for gay rights in uh, since the 70s? Could it be your fave? You know, he's like, <laughs> he, I watched this clip of, 
of Rachel Maddow. And this was like from 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was talking about her activism as a young queer person in San Francisco um, and talking about how Bernie Sanders was the only prominent politician who was standing up um, on the national stage uh, for gay rights and uh like she was crying about how much it meant to her and just mm. like how it really mattered to her personally that um you know like even though any democratic prom- any prominent democratic politician will um like obviously support lgbt rights at this point right, yeah. um that it, it really took something to do it at that time um and wow that is a very uh, different direction than msnbc <laughs> seems to be on bernie yeah, sanders right, right yeah. now <laughs> but i guess i was just bringing that up i'm not trying to be like full-on like bernie bro every day you know i know that it's like <laughs> it's de- you know it's definitely like you know, you always just like see people tweeting, well, like, well, actually, Bernie Sanders, you know, but <laughs> I do think that it really took something to be for it at that time. It was very politically unpopular. Yep. And, you know, e- I mean, even in the 90s, you know, but uh, yeah, it's just it's I keep seeing people like paint him as being like bad on this issue somehow. But I think he has the most consistent record on LGBT rights of any of the candidates. They're all good now. I mean, yeah, when you're looking at this field, for sure. I mean, I think, I don't know. I think even now, some have better answers than others. Um, like, I think Biden is still flailing. Do you remember he was like, gay, gay, gay bathhouses? Oh my God. We're, I was we're like, just can't gonna, wait for that remix. Okay, we're gonna, just going to play the clip. Please yeah. do. <laughs> we talked about this in, in, in San Francisco. It was all about, well, you know, gay, gay, gay bathhouses. And every, it's all about round-the-clock sex. It's all, come on, man. Okay, so yeah, that was very awkward. And then later on, <laughs> later awkward. on in the town hall, he also uh, flirts with Anderson Cooper openly. Who, do- who wouldn't? I know. I mean, <laughs> like Anderson Cooper, you know, um, he, he is he is part of the uh, the elite. Uh, he yeah, is a Vanderbilt. A Vanderbilt. He, yeah, he is, try- he is trying to keep money. us out, but we can <laughs> keep us down. But we can acknowledge uh, his physical attractiveness. Um, but, but I mean, so a lot of the coverage about this this town hall um, was how kind of like groundbreaking it was to have a town hall specifically about LGBT. Uh, rights in this country and they talked about the last time there was a large field large uh primary field was 2008 and this was not something that would have happened um but yeah i elizabeth warren had that moment she had that moment um her her def jam comedy delivery we can play this clip we'll play the clip there too um okay so Yes, this was, in my opinion, it was undeniably funny. I thought she was very... Her walk away was so, was like... Yeah, you need the visual on it. Yeah. But I have to say, great, yeah. and like, you know, okay, I'm not trying to be a naysayer on this. Like, I do think on the one hand, it's like, it's 2019 and it's fucking amazing that we're at the point where somebody can give like a non-equivocating answer on yeah. this stuff. But I think it was annoying me that like so many people on Twitter were like, you know, I don't know. It is it is important, as we talked about on the show, that the person who goes up against Trump be funny. But I do feel like people are kind of maybe overweighting like sick burns in this election oh, a little sure, bit. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. But also like that's what that's kind of what Kamala is trying to do for her whole campaign. And it's yeah, not no, working. It's, yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but Liz and Bernie are funnier for I know. sure. Yeah. I, I really wish, and um, you know, Bernie's still recuperating, and I wish that he could have uh, he could have been there. He sent in a video message. I know yeah, right. it I was know, so it was nice. Bummer, yeah. Um, and I really would have liked because he has such a funny delivery inherently, and I just I don't, I would love to see him talk about. Oh my this. god, it would have been hilarious. <laughs> yeah. The thing I do want to talk about though is like, like where. I want to talk about Blossom C. Brown, mm-hmm. um, the woman who a lot of people are saying like interrupted a uh, question and yes. we'll get to that. But like my I think the sort of cloud floating over this is that CNN and the people moderating it said a lot of the right things like Anderson Cooper made a comment about, you know, how civil disobedience and protest is like woven into our history as queer yes. people. And Don Lemon took the mic and then gave it back to Blossom C. Brown. Right. But like, uh 
the fact that there were zero black trans people who asked questions at the debate was wild. And then I learned something on Twitter later, um, which is part of what might have inspired uh, Blossom's protest to begin with, which is that this woman named Ashley Preston was a black trans woman and has been heavily featured on like a lot of online videos and shows was invited to ask a question at the CNN town hall. Mm -hmm. And apparently two hours before she says they told her that they wouldn't need her question, but that they wanted her to show up and sit in the audience. And she was basically like, I'm not coming. I don't want to be tokenized. Like, if you don't want to listen to me, I'm not going to sit in your audience. Yeah, and just like, so you can like pan to me literally, and say right? that I'm there. Yeah. And that's so, so like insulting. That, that's the frustrating thing. And then secondly, when Blossom C. Brown took the mic, um, the woman who was asking a question with her child at the time actually like took a moment to shout out the black and brown protesters that had been there who started off with Pete Buttigieg um, and kept uh, speaking up throughout the night. And so Blossom C. Brown took that opportunity to be like, okay, thank you for shouting us out. Let me take the mic now that you have uh, acknowledged our presence, whereas other people are trying to like kind of brush it aside. And so like that is sort of the infuriating thing. Bambi Salcedo, who is another uh, queer Latinx uh, or trans Latinx activist, was like forcibly taken out by security Mm -hmm. and a lot of other uh, activists and people who were raising their voice there like wrote about it online. It was like, it's just kind of fucked up and weird to see people at a... LGBTQ town hall sit there and just like watched yep. as a trans woman is dragged away by ostensibly cis straight security while a panelist in a suit or a moderator in a suit is just like, thank you so much for your voice. Thank you. Thank you. Like it's, yeah. it feels condescending. Yeah. A little I bit. mean, Anderson Cooper, when, when a lot of the chants were going on and people were shouting, uh, Anderson Cooper said, yo guys, chill out, relax. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's such a I Joe not, Biden response. I know. <laughs> gay, gay, gay. Gay bathhouses. <laughs> Come on, man. Um, yeah, I mean, it's. It, I did feel that the like civil disobedience and protest is such a huge part of our history. I, I felt like that was such a. I think that that was like a disingenuous. Of course, thing because for, you're it's like trying you're, to erase it from yeah, your. It's your, just like yeah. lip service. It's like Anderson Cooper. Vanderbilt. Uh, <laughs> when, <laughs> if I ever marry him, <laughs> Gabe Gonzalez, Vanderbilt Cooper, you know it, you know it. Sing when was the last here. time Anderson Cooper went to a sit-in? <laughs> you know. <laughs> do, we, do we want to talk a little bit about Mayor Pete? Oh yeah. Is there yeah. anything we're missing from the in this town hall? Was oh, yeah. there were protesters that interrupted him? Mm-hmm. It was clearly about trans people of color dying because they kept saying we're dying. Trans lives matter, um, and the human rights campaign is the organization that sponsored the town hall, and they've reported that just so far this year, nineteen trans women of color have been murdered, um, and it's just not an issue that gets. It's either an issue that doesn't get talked about or it does in a way that is, I want to say like tokenized maybe, or just kind Mm. of used as lip service. It's just like, we need to support trans women of color and I will not do anything to actually follow through on that. Like that's what it feels like. Well, that's been the Democratic Party's relationship with the LGBT rights movement. Sure. Pretty much since they had any relationship with it is like, you know... We will, we will say a lot more than we will be willing to do. Yeah. You know, like it's it's only because like it's only because of unstoppable grassroots. The the, the progress that's been made has be, has been because of like unstoppable grassroots activism. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, How many people in the Democratic yeah. Party uh, when Harvey Milk was murdered were really like standing up for yeah. him and calling out the. <laughs> Uh, the injustice there. Well, it goes it goes back to this thing I said about Jenny Set. Like mm-hmm. literally a decade ago, we were telling uh, black and brown trans women to be quiet because yeah. gay marriage was the issue. And I think a lot of prominent voices that speak on behalf of the trans community don't forget that the human rights campaign uh, has also been doing what the Democratic Party does totally. sometimes, paying a lot of lip service and prioritizing uh, voices that are not theirs. Uh, yeah. So the fact that they were so closely involved that so many of the questions were coming from human rights campaign people at the expense of a black trans woman, like I thought it was amazing that there were young trans kids who were there speaking with their parents. Like I don't want to take away from that at all. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. But um, I just think it's a bad look 
when you are an organization that is supposed to represent the LGBTQ community totally, and you have sponsored white Republicans in the past, you have prioritized gay marriage over the rights of trans women in this country, and then you cut a black trans woman who was scheduled to ask a question. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's a lot of... I, I don't I guess I would call them like just microaggressions, just like thoughtless erasure that accumulates over time. So I understand. Uh, you know, yeah. Human rights campaign award <laughs> recipient Mitt Romney. Girl, <laughs> la, 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 la. No. How can yeah, how can we say that he supports the gay community when he has binders full of women? Binders <laughs> full of them. Well, no, when you when you yeah. were talking about this, it, it it I think that there are a lot of parallels to the women's movement in this country mm-hmm. where certain demographics were told to sit down and be quiet particularly in second wave feminism betty Friedan said you know there's no place for lesbians in the in the women's movement and gloria steinem then came along and was like there is <laughs> <laughs> they're already here but, yeah. you know but it took so i mean it they were seen as competing interests mm-hmm. and that's and that's how i think a lot of these conversations are framed like oh black trans women have to sit down and be quiet because mm-hmm. they're like these are competing interests when in fact it's all under the umbrella of equality and like yeah. we are you know it, it, clearly there is a lot of overlap and we can kind of fight for different but related things simultaneously yeah, I think we're making baby steps. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, you know what I mean? At least these protesters weren't being shushed. Like, yeah. at least we had these sort of like elitist suited moderators being like, this is important. Totally. But well, again, and you saw like, like right wing yeah. Twitter, like have a fucking field oh day with God, that, too. Yeah. So I They're was like, yeah. I can't believe that yeah. this is what the Democrats were doing. Yeah. Most of the coverage I, you know, when I was trying to do research about this town hall, most of the coverage that I found was from right wing websites. Oh, of course. And they are losing their mind mm-hmm. like national review fox news breitbart obviously all the hits um <laughs> <laughs> you hate to see it you your least favorite it. hits yeah <laughs> um also um just want to give a, a shout out to Shep Smith, who was escorted out of Fox News this Ooh, week. <laughs> that was. Do you remember when Shep Smith was the Fox News anchor assigned to interview the governor of Puerto Rico, who was prepared for a softball yeah. interview and got the angry gay at Fox instead? Like, I won't. I don't have a lot of nice things to say about Shepard Smith, but that was. <laughs> Shep Smith was for so long the guy at Fox news doing the absolute bare minimum. Right. And just literally just the raising said, the bar a little bit above the ground. He said, Roseanne is a racist and racism is wrong. And I was like, we stand woke King. Honestly, he probably could have run as a Democrat like a God, decade and a half ago. You, you know, know what I mean? He would have been a, a Joe Manchin probably. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. Oh yeah. 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 So, <laughs> I feel like we should talk about the historical nature of Pete Buttigieg's candidacy. Yes. Like it is yeah. amazing that <laughs> that it is it is amazing that a gay man is running for president. As much yeah. as we shit on him on this podcast, we are big enough to acknowledge that. <laughs> but like, I, I also think that you know you don't really see a lot of support for him within the queer community. And I, I mean, I, I think in some ways it's evidence of how far we've come. Yeah. That you don't yeah. really, you know, like, cause it's just like, no, that's not, it's, it's not enough. Like, I, yeah, I personally do not know in my personal life. I do not know anyone who is going to vote for him in the primary. I do. Yeah. Oh, you I do. Know, I, yeah. Ooh. I know, I know some older white gay men who are going to vote for him. Yeah. I will say the one, I think the thing I like best about Pete Buttigieg is what you just mentioned, that he is the perfect example of why identity politics is not actually a thing in the queer community. Yeah. Because the fact that we could all look at a gay man and be like, you know what? Like, I'm really just voting on the issues. Yeah. Like, it's not because he's gay. And I also, I don't think it's a coincidence that the first gay candidate uh, that we have seen on the campaign trail is a cis white man who is in the military, who I think presents in all the boxes, right ways that are are comfortable for middle America. Right. And so it's like, in a way it's, it is historic and it is amazing, but it also looks like what I think 
cis white straight America wants a gay person to look like, well, which is no fault yeah. of his. But and that's also a reason why those two issues that we discussed, um, same sex marriage and um, gay people openly serving in the military, yeah. those were the loudest voices a lot of times mm-hmm. in those fights were cis white uh, gay men. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, like the proximity to the power structure is very important there. And yeah, I mean, P. Buttigieg is his uh, quarterly fundraising numbers were just released and they are huge, um, but they are not from individual donors by any means mm. uh they are from- except for mine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you and your two Kate older is- white gay friends yeah. <laughs> Kate is, uh, furiously donating to the Boo Judge 2020 campaign i um, guess I, yeah i guess I, the reason i sorry I, I will let you finish your point in just a second but the reason that like i wanted to bring that up specifically is like i remember when Hillary Clinton was running in 2016 you guys remember that like oh, i've heard of it yeah like i mean <laughs> I like even even though obviously there were like so 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 many problems with her as a candidate and mm-hmm. I don't have the same values that she does like I didn't you know there's there's a lot there are many many reasons to not want her to be president but it still felt really bad and shitty that like among the people that didn't support her especially men it was just like kind of summarily dismissed um that it mattered at all that she was a woman and i think it does it does matter like we should have a president who isn't straight you know like but let's talk about some of the substantive reasons why we hate (laughs) and you were about to do that before i interrupted (laughs) you sorry well i mean he's essentially i just he's like a if a candidate were like a corporate sponsored drone, like that's how I think of Buttigieg. Yeah. Um, he, yeah, he, uh, as we discussed the last time Gabe was here, he worked for McKinsey uh, and which has just been, it's just one of those corporations that is like, it's almost like Coke industry level. Kind of uniquely uh, evil. Uniquely bad. Um, <laughs> Deeply involved in Puerto Rico's debt crisis and Absolutely. profiting from it as and, consultants. It's, yeah. And he had the option to do, like, you know, here's the thing. Like, you, we have a leftist podcast. Obviously, we understand that people need to work for a living. So this isn't about, I mean, there's definitely good people who have to work for unethical companies because they need the money, you know, like that's the thing, but that was not Pete. Like he had graduated from Harvard. He was a Rhodes scholar. Like he had every opportunity available and then still chose McKinsey. And I think it shows something about who he is as a person. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's kind of like what we were talking about last week with Amy McGrath. There are so many people who go into the military because it's the only way that they can kind of enter like a middle-class life a lot of times with like, um, getting their college paid for and good benefits. Um, Amy McGrath went many steps further and like is a war criminal. (laughs) Like, you know, she was not like a run of the mill, uh, but it, yeah, it's 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 the same sort of thing. Um, I mean, yeah, Pete Buttigieg is. <sighs> I mean, I think there are things we can point to. Like, I, I think one of the most important things uh, this year is that we have a candidate who listens to black communities mm-hmm. and doesn't just pay lip service. And I think uh, what we saw Pete Buttigieg do with black communities in his town as mayor to try to quote-unquote, economically revive the city Mm -hmm. and uh, uplift uh, poorly served areas happened at the expense of black residents. Totally. And whenever he goes back to, like, speak at the town he's mayor of, black residents of his town will ask him about these things. And there still hasn't been, I think, a satisfactory answer for, like, why that policy moved forward the way it did, um, who should be held to account. And I think we've seen similar problems with, um, I think it was the South Bend Police Department. Yes, he was asked about that in the last debate, I think. Um, And I did not find his uh, answer about how he handled that situation particularly uh, satisfactory. I didn't either. And I think if he was a politician with a longer track record who maybe like if that had happened early 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 on in his career i don't think it would have made it any more acceptable but i think he could have maybe tried to pull joe biden where he could be like i've learned over the years i've had so much more experience 
But that is all we have to work with. <laughs> like he's the mayor of a town and that's it. Like that's the track record we have to look at. And we could look at his time in McKinsey. I mean, yeah, we could look at that too, or his time <laughs> in the military, which yeah. is like fuck. But and so to me it's it's just like I that's really, really worrisome. And uh, I think we need to have a candidate who has spent more than just a few years on a presidential campaign trail, really listening to voters of color, specifically black voters. Yeah. I don't think uh, Biden, with all his experience, has still been able to show he can do that. <laughs> I don't think Pete, with his little bit of experience, has yeah. shown he's been able to do that. Um, Cory Booker will not stop talking about how he lives in Newark. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Like, honestly, I'd rather listen to Rosario Dawson talk about how much he talks about it. Like, I just can't. <laughs> I can't deal with him anymore. I think it's like, yeah, yeah it's... It's pretty amazing because the thing that like Pete stands keep saying is they're like, yes, but he has the ability to reach so many different people. And it's like, well, you know, he's been pulling at five uh, percent um, for the whole time. Pretty much um, his support is almost exclusively white. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why people keep making this claim that he can reach so many different kinds of people because he's not. He's only reaching he has like a perfect Pete Buttigieg has a perfect pedigree for becoming president. There is no doubt about that. He's Ivy league educated. Um, he's a veteran. It's very similar actually to Seth Moulton, who also ran for president, Ooh, um, who Throwback. totally <laughs> flailed out. He's terrible. I really hate <laughs> Seth Moulton. Um, yeah. Seth Moulton is a congressman from uh, the North Shore in Massachusetts, and I really can't stand him. He's like super centrist and just really has nothing to offer. Mm. And I think that, Pete doesn't have that much more to offer than he does. Uh, well, Pete, people like Pete, the people who do, I mean, I said people like Pete, almost no one likes Pete, but <laughs> among the people who do like him, I think there's a longing for like a kind of technocrat, like, you know, just like a, another Obama and people see Pete as like the, the second coming of Obama, like, Oh, you know, we'll uh, get some innovative solutions in here or whatever. But did you see the video of him, uh, trying to walk around the GM strike? Oh my God. Oh, that whoa. was truly incredible. Oof. It was like, Oh, you've never met somebody who works in a factory. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and not to circle back to this, this Warren fanfare either, you know, I don't think we're going to find an ideal candidate or one who's been very consistent. Maybe I, at least Bernie has been consistent. There's no perfect candidate on every issue yeah, yeah. we care about. Right. I think we can get close. Um, but what I think is, oh my God, what was I? Oh, um, this idea of uh, of like not necessarily being the perfect pedigree. Like before, I knew a lot about Liz Warren. Everyone was like, oh, she went to Harvard and she's a senator. Yeah. But then you look at her background, and you're like, oh, no, 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 no. Like this one comes from a working class background. Like actually, had to struggle. Like really, really worked. Yeah, she didn't go to Harvard. Like she she was a professor at Harvard, right, but yeah. she went to like oklahoma community college right like, <laughs> that's why so so and i think there is and i and i understand that we've talked about this a little bit before and there is um kind of an association with her about uh, you know of being uh, in that s social strata i guess the uh, milieu the milieu mm -hmm. uh and I don't see her that way mostly because and maybe it's just where I'm like I am intimately familiar with the kind of like hyper pedigreed person who right. fits that You're from mold. Massachusetts. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. and and honestly Pete Buttigieg is more in line with that to me like personally mm -hmm. than Elizabeth Warren is. But that's what's so funny right that like people will characterize him as like sort of this like folksy Midwesterner yeah. because he's the mayor of a town in Indiana. And because he like wears certain things, he can say all lives matter in seven languages. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then they'll paint Liz Warren as a sort of like elitist because of the way she looks and the state she's representing. And it's so wild to me how, I don't know, uh, people sort of categorize candidates in these little boxes with no consideration for like, their I don't know their their kind of background or their journey to get to that point right yeah. because it's everything you said about Pete it's like of course he has the pedigree the privilege the opportunity like 
it's almost as if he is a he's a cyborg perfectly designed truly to run for this but it is also so wild how people can be like oh you're so folksy so like in touch with the common man I know. it's like i don't see he's, that but he's, all not right, yeah. fo- he's not folksy yeah. at all he like but also like what does that even fucking mean you know what i mean we like don't, why we also, is that we a necessity don't, we don't need it yeah i mean I he's i don't want to have a beer with my president i, I want don't them to, like make good policy goddamn i want to like, snort lines with my president thank you. <laughs> look it's you know it's like is ted cruz particularly down home just because he's from texas no he went to harvard and princeton and is from hell i don't I, he's cruz. from canada i think and, but close enough <laughs> and still be better yeah i mean that's no that's what it is uh, yeah yeah anyways uh but i don't know yeah sometimes pete like pete is to me like i find his candidacy so uncompelling that it makes it makes Beto look good <laughs> i'm just it like it's the most dispassionate <laughs> attempt i have ever seen to become president yeah. let me just be honest like the Beto and pete had a little beef a couple weeks ago um oh, and i missed this what yeah was the, oh, the girls were fighting hold on let me just pull it up for a second um, well i do know that um julian castro snapped at him in oh, um in the debate because uh, they were going back and forth in one of the debates about some issue. And then uh, Pete in his very all lives matter way was just oh, like, God, this yeah. is why people hate both parties. Oh, I remember this. And then, I'm, and then like, Julian Castro goes, no, this is called a democratic primary. Yeah, man. Like, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Ugh. I don't know. He's, I mean, it's wild that we like started with Ellen and we ended with Pete. My problem with them is essentially the same. Yeah. Their proximity to corrupt power structures and their necessity, like their compulsion with all lives mattering, well, it's, any situation. I mean, it's, a, it's clearly a class thing. Yeah. It's like they're, uh, I mean, Ellen is hyper rich. Pete is kind of running in these, even though he is, you know, he's the mayor of South Bend. Now he's going to all these huge, big money fundraisers. And he obviously went to Harvard and like is from a certain uh, kind of. You're trying not to say milieu again. I'm, I don't want to say milieu and I won't do it. <laughs> I love it. I like see the letters in my head every time you say it. <laughs> Just because, yeah. No, but um, yeah, he's from a certain uh, demographic by way of his mm. his biography. So yeah, it's it's a class thing. It's like you know, rich white gays will not save you. Exactly. I'm yeah, there's screaming this... it, <laughs> screaming yeah. it all no, year. It's like you know, class loyalty is so strong, and people, most people will never, obviously, most people will never experience that in this country. So they don't like understand that most people have more loyalty like in the in the upper echelons most people have so much more loyalty to their class than anything else clearly in a way that um as ellen would would love to put it uh transcends politics or quote opinions so gabe where can our listeners find you yeah um you can find me occasionally guest hosting on mtv news's need to know um which is a daily show that they have online i love it you can also find me as uh the host of a show called hosting which is on the scruff app right now uh it's a quiz show about queer trivia culture all sorts of stuff history um, and you can also find me online. My handle for both Twitter and Instagram is, Here it is. Gaybones, yep. <laughs> G-A-Y-B-O-N-E-Z. I never thought I would have to promote that professionally when I was in college. And here I am just tied to that nickname forever. It was my nickname in my improv group. It wasn't particularly. I also, I have to admit that I was in an improv group, which is more embarrassing than the handle at this point. You but... know, we, we cancel ourselves you know on this else? podcast all the time. You know who else? Is in an improv group, Chasen, <gasps> Pete's husband. Stop! No, he's no. Not. I did know oh, that. Well, I don't think anymore, but he was in the past. Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. he gives me like chaotic acapella energy. Yeah. So improv is like <laughs> definitely the next step. They're yeah. like the neoliberal Chrissy Teigen and John Legend. <gasps> oh this disc okay next episode i'm on we're just gonna unpack that whole sentence is what's gonna happen i could do hours on this that is so accurate (laughs) gabe thank you so much for for coming on you're obviously gonna come back because we love having you on and because Um, he's a friend of the pod he's a friend of the pod (laughs) um our our phrase we're gonna make t-shirts uh (laughs) but yeah um thank you so much thank you 
Thank you so much for listening to Reply Guys. The show is hosted by Kate Willett and me, Julia Clare. Our producer is Genevieve Garrity. Our theme song was performed by Emily Fremgen, who wrote the song with Kate Willett. Our artwork is by Adrian Lobel. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're at Kate Willett with two L's and two T's. And I'm at OJuliaTweets, which is O-H Julia Tweets. And Twitter is where you can also find our Reply Guys. They are always with us. Bernie, take us out. As I went walking that ribbon of highway, I saw above me that endless skyway. I saw below me that golden valley. This land was made for you and me. This land is your land. Your this land. land.